0: You are listening to Making It in the Toy Industry, episode number 25. Welcome to Making It in the Toy Industry, a podcast for inventors and entrepreneurs like you. And now your
1: host, Ajelle Wade.
0: Hey there, toy people. Ajelle Wade here, and welcome back to another episode of Making It in the Toy Industry. This is a weekly podcast brought to you by thetoycoach.com. For today's episode, we are joined by teaching artist, entrepreneur, mom, and inventor, Karen Bonici. Karen is a mom who first created Super Blanky in 2011. Super Blanky is a patented design that turns a blanket into a wearable superhero cape without the restriction of a neckband. Super Blinky now sells nationwide at Target stores, and Karen is also an avid listener of the Making It in the Toy Industry podcast, which makes this interview extra special to me. Welcome to the show, Karen.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Ajal. I'm so glad you agreed to come on. I am a fan. I've been <laughs> enjoying it. Yep. Yep. I've been enjoying it. You're, you've got some great information that you're um, sharing, and, and it's really exciting to be See somebody out there um, sharing what, your knowledge. I think that's what we do. We, we, when we're um, early in a career, we learn and we absorb, and then once we know more later, we teach. And that's mm-hmm. great. So that's, yeah.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Bad. Thank you.
0: Now, to get started, I would love to know more about your life before Super Blanky. more about how you're a teacher and a musician and all of the things that you do.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. So um, so I've made my career for over 23 years as a professional musician, storyteller, and teaching artist. Wow. I, I have a, a background in study theater. And um, when I was a young mother, I was staying home with my kids. And decided that, um I would like to be working, you know, but still have that a balance where i I could do a little bit of both mm-hmm. and I saw a professional storyteller come to my son's school when he was very young, and um having a performance background, I thought, oh my gosh. First of all, I was just enchanted by her. She told I had no idea that was a job. It's a job. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the art of telling stories, um, not reading books, Uh just speaking stories. So just like you would tell the story of the three little pigs, So you wouldn't have a book in front of you when you told that story, right?
0: Right.
1: Um, And we tell we all tell stories every day, all day, day long. We live in stories. Our our brains are wired for story. Um, But the stories that I tell are not typical narratives that you would hear in popular culture. I do a lot of old um, folk tales, fairy tales, ghost tales, and such. And um, so I started doing that because I have, you know, like a performance um, skill set. And then I'm a singer. And then a few years after that, I picked up an instrument called the auto harp. And I've been playing that. Well, gosh, no! I bet I've been playing that for twenty-three years. Wow! <laughs> but I learned it as an adult, so um, so anyway, I include that, and I um, have been doing that for a long time. And I travel around Michigan, and I tell stories and sing songs, and do concerts, and do um, teaching forums and cl- uh, classes for t- um, teachers. I love to teach teachers. Um, be in front of um, adult groups to um, encourage them how to get their um, students um, presenting in the oral tradition or um, teaching writing activities around the idea of speaking and storytelling. And um, so, yeah, I've been, I've been That's fortunate awesome. to kind of carve out a career doing that. So, you know, it's definitely a gig it's, it's gig work, right? Yeah. Um, and so all my jobs are very unique and different, but um it's it's fulfilling and it's fun. And um I've I've been able to carve out a niche and in, in Michigan and have traveled sometimes outside of Michigan, but there's I get a lot of work here that I'm very fortunate for. So yeah.
0: So in doing all of that, where did your idea for Super Blanky come from? Was it the kids that you were
1: teaching or was it your kids? So that's a good question. So my my kids um are now young adults um well 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 into their adulthood and when they were little um you know i had a lot of imaginative play in my home um i'm an artist i i'm a handmade artist right i would craft things and i'm a musician and you know, spoken word artist so I'm just I always lean toward the creative
0: right
1: and so we had a lot of imaginary playing we had lots of dress-up boxes in our house uh. we make costumes for my kids and and sew costumes and we definitely had superhero capes in there that I'd sewn and and when um i to tell you through those, those dress up boxes. I don't, they, I didn't get rid of them until way after my kids had gone to college, really? <laughs> college because they just seemed to always be a source of play for people who would visit. And yeah. this is not a joke, but when my kids came home from college, occasionally we would still get the dress up boxes out, you know, on a goofy night. I'm guaranteeing you yeah. this during our current COVID-19 stay at home. Yeah. Activity, we'd, we'd be playing with those dress up. I'm, I don't <laughs> yeah. blame you, I obviously. No. If I still had them, but anyway, so, um, so yeah. So there was a lot of imaginary and, uh, creative dress up play in my home. Yeah. Then, um, my kids were a little bit older and I wanted to sew some handmade gifts for my nieces and nephews and, I thought, well, oh, I'm gonna make them blankets, but I really like the idea of the capes I used to make for my own kids. And I wanted to uh-huh. combine, combine the two ideas. And so at first I sewed blankets and they were double layered fleece. So they're nice and thick and kind of heavy. And mm-hmm. I put a, a neckband on them. I put a velcro neckband on right. the blanket. And the kids, my nieces and nephew, opened them and they loved them. And um they were having a lot of fun playing with them, and we got a lot of response um, in the restaurant. The kids were actually running around, kind of wearing them, and oh, that's and so the cute! Were coming over, people were saying, "Oh my gosh, it's so fun! It's a superhero cape and a blanket." And then my sister started getting some response from friends saying how fun they were, but it was that was really bothering me the neckband thing. And I thought, you know, it just it was too heavy a, bl- a blanket to wear a neckband with. Because um, it's a blanket, it's not just a small superhero cape, right? Right. So, but I thought, you know, this is a good idea. And I'd actually also in my um, career for years have done um, handmade um, goods and I um, would consign to stores. And then I did a lot of art shows where I would sell my wares, the different things I created over the years. I thought, you know, I'm going to see if I can hand make these and sell these in. Ah. In a craft show booth, so
0: that I, was one of my questions. I wondered if you tried to sell them independently on your own.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I sewed and I sewed and I sewed. And I broke a lot of sewing needles. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a great seamstress. I'm really not. I'm just. I can definitely sew a few curved lines and a
0: um, right.
1: You know, some straight lines. So, but I sewed and I made um, a few hundred of them over the time that I was. Sewing and wow. them, and then I thought, and, and really, what I was doing then at that point because I knew that I'd had an idea once I came up. So, let me go back. So, I it, that neckband that was bothering me, I just put the blanket out on the table and I was thinking, What can I do? and I kept thinking and going through the process and thinking, You know, h- how could this be worn differently? and, th- and I came up with a sleeve idea. Wow, and it's, I love that, it's just a flat pocket, right? So, it's a pocket. But the pocket goes sideways instead of your hand going down into the pocket, your hand goes sideways into the pocket and comes out the other side. I love that
0: when I'm telling people uh, to think about what they have to offer when when someone's trying to come up with a new idea for the toy industry and maybe they've never done anything for toys before, yeah, when you think about like your particular skills and what you've been like honing over the years without even noticing you've been honing something like sewing. Sure. And just watching your kids play yeah. is what will allow you to come up with something like Super Blanky. And that's that's so important, just paying attention to what you already know.
1: Right. And what I was noticing for sure, because the blanket was so big, my nieces and nephews were kind of grabbing hold of it as they were running.
0: And I thought,
1: ah. I can use the arms here. I got to do something with the
0: arms. Oh, interesting. So you yeah. just saw them holding it up. Yep. Oh, that's so funny. Right. So, did you start with like little elastic hoops at first?
1: No, mm well, I, I I wanted it to be nice and sturdy. So, I mean, I knew that that, that's certainly an option, um, right. but you know, to put them in the corners and stuff, but I wanted it to be just wearable. And, and I, once I kind of came up with that, the long pocket idea, I thought, well, this is just like wearing a coat You or yes. you put it on and it's, it stays on. And, um, so as soon as I came up with that that idea, I tested it um on my nieces and nephews' blankets and it worked. And then I called an attorney. <laughs> really? Wait, so as soon as you
0: so you wait, you went to the craft show with it with the no. new design. No, no, the
1: no. I actually ta- had the attorney on board before I went to the craft show. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So I come up with the idea like so was, I think it was like I'd given the kids the blankets in December. By February, I came up with this design idea. Okay. And I started um, sewing a couple and then testing the new ones on my nieces and nephews, saw them play in them, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. This, this is going to work. So then I called an attorney. <laughs> so I feel
0: like everyone's worry when they start thinking like, oh, I have a great idea. I want to patent it or I want to get an, an attorney involved is cost. You know, were you, did you have any idea what price range you were looking at spending before you even called them?
1: Not exactly. No, but it's actually an, this attorney friend um I know through the storytelling world. So he's uh, an attorney Um and he had um, an attorney work with him on it. She was a newer attorney. They both did an, an amazing job because um, I have two utility patents, not just design patents, actually oh, yeah. utility patents on my product. That's
0: amazing. Um yeah.
1: but, but of course, you know, uh, you know people ask do you, should I hire an attorney? Should I do it myself? My book right. my book, you hire the people who are really smart at what they're doing and um you know, it worked very well for me. I I I'm very glad that I did not try to apply for the application myself. Um I know people who have done um patents themselves and more complicated patents. But, you know, the patent process is pretty, um, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so complicated.
0: And with the attorneys, how long did it take?
1: Well, gosh, I mean, I think it was two and a half years before I was fully granted a patent. Wow. Maybe, maybe two years, maybe two
0: years.
1: Yeah. Um, but for, but, but at first what we did was we applied for a provisional patent.
0: Exactly. I was going to ask that. Yeah. The
1: attorney gave me really good advice. You know, they're not business people and they don't want to be your business partner in any way. Mm-hmm. But what he told me was you, you, a provisional, he explained what a provisional patent was and that, and that is, um, just this kind of placeholder that for you, about a year Yeah, yeah. a year. And then, and then you see if, is there a market for it? And mm-hmm. if you go into licensing, which eventually I did, that discovery of the market really is all about going to licensees and saying, hey, are you interested in this? I right. have this provisional patent. Right. You're my market, not the direct-to-consumer, which is what I first started at.
0: So when you first started, you had your provisional patent, but you're working with the lawyers. They helped you get that. Yeah. Well, how did you start launching the product? Did you initially know you were gonna go the licensing route or did you think
1: you were gonna go the manufacturing route? I didn't even know what licensing was at the time. Okay. <laughs> the whole idea that it was a business. Had I known I probably, had I really known what it was, I would have done that. Um Okay. I, I, <laughs> so
0: you were like, I'm just guess I'm manufacturing I, this. I guess I, I exactly I am I guess I have a toy company now. I don't know. <laughs>
1: a job is it. Okay. I invented something, so now I own this and I'm going to be the one who makes it and sells it. So I, I, but you know, that first year, what I did was it really was good market research for me because I stood in front of these, you know, my booth, my art show, craft show booth, and I had people giving me direct. A response: I got to talk to parents and grandparents and moms. And oh kids. yes, see the experience and what I was what I was seeing for sure was I, I, if it was sitting on the shelf, it, it wasn't going so well. But I would put my own on, or then I would have a child come over and right. a child would put one on, and suddenly I've got ten moms standing around my booth going, "What is this?" Uh, and
0: you probably also figured out like the key words you need to say to sell.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah, right.
0: What were your words? What'd you figure out?
1: So, um, you know, I I would explain that it's a wearable, huggable cape that, Mm -hmm. you know, is all about empowerment and teaching your child to, um, you know. Have like
0: imaginative play.
1: Oh, yeah, because, you know, the the role-playing thing is so essential for Mm -hmm. exercising the brain as a child. Yes. You know, it stimulates imagination, role-play, And especially like when they're playing the hero, they're, they're, um, solving problems and, you know, and when we solve our problems, we expand our ability to other, you know, to look at the world and take in other people's points of view, you know? So that's why to me, like my blanket's all about imagination Mm -hmm. and that's really where it comes from is just igniting imagination in children. That's that's why I created it. I created it for my nieces and nephews to have this um, experience and comfort and then as well have this, you know, imaginative role play thing that I think is incredibly essential for a child's development.
0: I honestly, I love the comfort aspect of it. It's almost like the weighted blanket for kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's what it is. But you know what? Now that you say this, I know I didn't say I was going to ask you about this, but we, I haven't touched on this on my podcast yet. And it's craft fairs. Mm. I've done craft fairs for products that I've invented. And I'm curious to know how um, how beneficial was that for you? Obviously you got the feedback you wanted, but monetarily, did you feel like, oh, I'm making the money that I want here? Or was that the reason you decided to push into the licensing route instead?
1: It was paying for my patents. So that was good. It paid for my, ah. all of my, my trademarks and my, right. yeah, so that was good, you know. That's interesting. Yeah. So I self-funded, you know, the patents and stuff that worked out very well.
0: That's a great business. Oh, that's great. I mean, you came up with the idea, you got your provisional patent. While you're protected for that first year with your provisional patent, you're filing for your your full patent and paying for it with the profits you're making with the product. That's perfect.
1: Once I knew I was going to apply for a patent, I thought, well, I'm going to have to sell blankets to cover cost and, you know, at least do that. And then once that's done, then I could see how do I turn a profit with this. So in the process of all that, I started learning about the whole licensing world and what it is and, um, how did you learn about that? So I actually learned a great deal initially from InventRight, which is a mm-hmm. website, um, yeah. inventWrite.com and a man named Stephen Key who wrote uh, several fantastic books, yeah. um, About the world of licensing and what it is to do when when you've got something that is yours and you own, taking it and instead of creating and having to be the end all be all, finding somebody else to do it for you and collecting a royalty. So generally, you know, like a lot of people explain, you know, a lot of people people think I'm a millionaire because I've invented a thing product that sells on Target shelves, right? (laughs) But um. What I explain is that it, you know, licensing essentially it's you can liken it to um the the author and and um publisher business. So it's I found someone oh, who interesting. does a really great job. Um uh, my manufacturer does an amazing job making them, getting them sold into Target, and Target does an amazing job selling them. And um I get a royalty. So that's the simple, simplest way to describe. What licensing is, but yeah. And before we started, you said this great
0: quote, which you have to repeat right now. When you walk to your mailbox,
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's mailbox, it's mailbox money. It, it is. It, it, yeah. It literally is a mailbox money business. It's pass. It you know. It become can be passive income. Yeah. Um, I have, you know, a, a wonderful manufacturer where I do have conversations ongoing with them about what the product's going to look like and um, projecting what else we can do with it and um, and the new um, uh, co or brands that are branded with my product. Right. Super Blanky, for me, when I first started it out, um, did have uh, just a generic kind of look to it. Mm-hmm. But now it is branded and it's co-branded with uh, these really amazing brands. I like- know. Batman, yes, Bob Pro, so cool. Uh, and Ryan's World, we got a lot this past season. So we've had some amazing brands partner with Super Blanky, and um, and then I was able to find a great partner in Franco Manufacturing, and um, so yeah, it's it's that's what licensing is, you know. And I and I've been fortunate too. I've had um people I've gotten to know along the way who have helped some, you know just professional people who have been in the business who give me ideas, but I found a mentor. Um, His name is Ken Johnson. He's the inventor of the phase 10 game. And Ken has has become a friend and he was an incredibly helpful mentor.
0: That's amazing.
1: Teach me initially about the world of licensing as well. So So it's, it's just a very interesting business model. Again, I knew nothing about, I thought, yeah, I got to make blankets myself. I I knew that I would potentially, you know, eventually want to get into manufacturing. And I even did a little bit of that. Um, But, and so I wasn't only ever sewing them myself. I did have, I did source some manufacturing, but ultimately I saw my product as a big box product. You know, I see, you know, I see that it, I saw it married with these brands and that's probably when I started really researching and discovering what licensing was, looking at the other side of it, like, how do I, how do I get Batman on my blanket? And then I started learning about what that whole licensing world was about. So.
0: And how did you find, you said Franco manufacturing, how did you find them? Did you go to a bunch of different manufacturers before you settled on the one?
1: Well, you know what? I did what Stephen Key recommends and the Right process t- teaches is you go into the store and you look on the shelf and you see who's selling product there.
0: Oh, right. I do. I think I did the same thing in my first episode, but more focused on toys.
1: Yeah, but that's yeah. exactly what I did. That's how I found them. That's so awesome. There, yeah, I found all the key players who are in the textile licensed character business because I didn't just want to be in textiles, I wanted licensed characters married right. with the product. So I looked to see who it was, was doing that. And I called, you know, that's when I started communicating with those companies and um, yeah.
0: And are you still partnering with, with the same manufacturer? Yep. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. They're doing an amazing job. So as a matter of fact, I just um, acquired the rights to the name super towel. So we just, I saw that. Yeah. So now we have super towel. So, and it's inside of the Ryan's world, one of the Ryan's world, um, beach eggs Mm -hmm. and it's so cute and fun. And it's, it's uh, a great product altogether. The beach egg
0: yeah.
1: excited about what we can do with super towel. It's just launched. Um, but there's a lot of fun there. So, yeah, so they've been great with coming on board with my ideas and, and allowing that, my idea of super towel to come to fruition. So that's
0: awesome. And, you know, when I saw super blanky, it reminded me of, you know, everyone had their own like blanket ideas. Um, And there was that mermaid tail blanket for a long time, or there still is. Um, They have a lot of issues with people ripping off their concept. And I'm wondering, how were you able to keep control of your IP so well? Was it that you had a professional do your patent? Do you have them fighting for you every step of the way? Like, how did you protect Super Blanky and now Super Towel so well?
1: Well, because I have, in fact, utility patents. I don't believe that the... I I can't say for certain, but I believe the mermaid blankets, you know, I'd seen those on... Etsy, mm-hmm. and, um, at craft shows and stuff for a while before they started to hit the marketplace. Right. Um. So, in as far as the utility and how they function, right. I don't, I don't know that there's any sort of uh, utility patent. So that's the thing about my patent; it does protect me. But so it, you know, but I I do want to say that there's also, you know, not every product that launches really needs a patent even if it does have a unique utility Mm -hmm. about it like mine does um so first of all the patents are expensive right um and they often don't go anywhere Mm -hmm. i i've talked to dozens and dozens and dozens of inventors a lot of people reach out to me and ask questions and um i've talked to many people who own patents very expensive patents who don't have success who don't have success and frankly don't have a a marketable idea right so there's a lot more you know any day of the week anybody can go and just come up with an idea and apply for a patent and start spending money but there's so much to do before that and it's it's all about doing market research and really discovering is there an even market for this this product, which is exactly the, what I was doing in that first year when I was handmaking them and selling them out of my craft show. Booth. Right. <laughs> I was doing on the street market research because yeah. by the time that year was wrapping up, I said, oh, yeah, I've got something here. Clearly, mm-hmm. there are people who want this. Right. So now I'll go forward. But that first um, provisional patent was really cheap.
0: Right. You know, but The only problem is you put all your information there, and if you don't follow through, it you lose all the rights to your invention, and someone could come in and just copy yep. it. Yeah, that's the only problem yeah. with those. But if
1: you do your provisional patent, and then you do market research, right. and you're out there in the market. You know, again, I, I'm not, I you know, so I I really do recommend Stephen Key's book. Yeah, um, of course. It's called One Simple Idea, and he gives you a lot of suggestion about really discovering, um, going into market research, again, from the perspective of, do I want to be out there and making this myself and selling it or even market research? Is there a licensee who would be interested in marketing this for me? So a lot of good advice come. And, and I, I'll, I'll, I, let me say this. There's a lot of invention um, companies, websites out there that are so illegitimate and terrible. And I've also seen people get ripped off by them and it's just heartbreaking. I know.
0: So, it's part of the reason why I wanted to start this because I feel like yeah. when people are, especially joining the toy industry, they don't really know where to go. So you type in so, toy invention and you get inventions for everything. And you kind of need someone to tell you what's applicable specifically for toys and what you don't really need and, and things like that.
1: Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So there's a lot of scam companies out there yeah. that are interested in uh, putting something together for you, a prototype, and you pay them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, and then they say, we're going to license your idea for you, but their f- fail rate is tremendous. Right. So,
0: um, yeah. Since you partner with a manufacturer, who goes out to find other customers?
1: That's my manufacturer's job. They have a whole sales team. That's why it becomes. It can become a mailbox money business where they make it, they sell it, they invest their money in it, they find it. You know the sourcing, and they deal with all the manufacturing headaches, and then I go to the mailbox.
0: Did you ever consider any other crowdfunding methods to ma- help manufacture Super Blanky, or did you ever consider doing a show like Shark Tank? Do you have any thoughts on that route for inventors?
1: So um, I did consider both. First, I'll talk about crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, crowdfunding is something I still could consider because I can still manufacture um, and and create the blanket myself with um, like in the adult size. I can create super tall. I can you know potentially build the licensing business myself with some of those products. Right. Um, so I I do think about that, but um, just not as of yet. Um, I'm. I'm considering different potential options. So as far as something like Shark Tank goes, you know, I think Shark Tank is fun. It's a fun, entertaining show. Um, I think that that's what you have to know is going into it. It's for purposes of entertainment and that show is there to, um, you know, provide home viewers for something fun and entertaining. Yeah. So yeah, I think I, I think there's you know there's some people who've been able to get some opportunity, and if you're interested simply in doing two things, licensing your product and getting huge broad awareness on your product, if you happen to get the good fortune of going on the show, yeah. you're going to get a lot of people to know about your product, and mm-hmm. you're going to get uh, the licensing door opportunities could be much wider because. Especially if you're you're partnering with somebody. But right. um you know, so I think it's I think it's a great fun show.
0: And because you didn't do Shark Tank and you didn't do crowdfunding when it hit when Super Blanky hit the stores, I saw like news reports and things, but how did you get the word out?
1: Um, well, we just I did a little bit of PR. Um, and <laughs> you're like, I do it all. I yeah. <laughs> and was um you know, and I I had initially um, Joanne Perton from uh Detroit uh news. She was in the news at the time. She's no longer um on screen. She does a radio show. She's fantastic, wonderful lady. But she was doing a program called Mom's a Genius. Somebody introduced me to her and said, You should go on this mom's a genius thing. It's because it was all about moms building um at home, you know, businesses yes. that were growing. So I got interviewed for that. And then I thought, oh yeah, well. Now this is moving on. Let me call Joanne and I let her know about it. And then a lot of the other um, stations nearby wanted to have some conversations with me about it. That's great. I I recognize I'm very very fortunate. I yeah I'm fortunate to have gotten some good PR, but also fortunate to have created what I have. You know, it's a huge obstacle to invent something and then have any measure of market success, and then have market s- success initially, but then continued market success. Yes. so the market continues to like the product and consumers keep buying it. And that's very exciting. So I recognize that it's a, 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 Your a blessing a, a blessing.
0: Yeah. Quite a- well, I want to know what is the future for super Blanky, or maybe the future for you? Are you inventing anything new?
1: Um, so I do have, I always have, um, my little, um, file system that I keep on Evernote, right. <laughs> the Evernote. Yeah,
0: app. I know Evernote.
1: And, um, I always have my invention ideas scrolling through there. So I, I always have, um, new ideas and I write them down, but, um, you know, as far as future ideas for super blanky, what's, what's up is, you know, there's still a lot of possibility. I, I, um, I might, so as far as super towel goes, we just have the first product out right now, but, um, I have the opportunity to, um, have other possible, um, products with super towel, um, and to have additional products made for adults too. So what my, what I, what I'm looking, um, what I'm would love the opportunity, but it, hasn't I haven't been able to open that door yet is to find a partner who's interested in producing professional and collegiate sports mm-hmm. um super blankies. Yeah. Um because it's a great it would be a great fan blanket. Yeah, it would. Um to wear it in, in the stands and yes. your hip hip for your team. Perfect. And what's great about super blankie for adults is it, it really is just a simple square blanket, and right. it folds up and it goes away. And there's nothing. It's got the fun playfulness that some of the novelty blankets have, but so it can be fun and kitschy. But it really is just a nice square blanket. So adults right. So I used to actually make and sell adult size blankets, and I used to just do them in decorative fabric when right. I was hand making them. So that's another possibility. So I'm looking you know, potentially for, you know, a partner who wants to expand the super towel.
0: That's the future.
1: Yeah. So in the future, yeah. So, I mean, super blankie, the utility itself, it could be worn in a nice, beautiful, luxury, soft, furry blanket, right? Yes. Yes. It can, you know, my patent applies. Heated blanket. Exactly. A weighted blanket. A
0: weighted too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: It's a weighted blanket. Mm
0: -hmm. Scented. I mean, there's so many options. (laughs) Yeah, so many ways this can go.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right. So lots of of, you know things, possibilities still for it.
0: Yeah. So finally, what Uh, advice would you give to your fellow inventors?
1: Oh, so much. (laughs) Take like another hour, right? You could
0: give like what about like three major bullet points? Let's give them that. That sounds good.
1: Major bullet points, honestly. Um, I would look into discovering what the licensing world is all about. Mm -hmm. Um, I would decide, uh, whether or not it's for you because it may or may not be, you may want to fund and source manufacturing and, and go on Amazon and sell your products. And, um, you know, some of that still exists for me that the possibility of that too, Mm -hmm. Decide what it is that you want to do. Are you a person who has skill sets that are great for um, inventing, but not necessarily running a business Know mm-hmm. that about yourself? Right. Um, so I'd say get to know what the licensing business is. Decide whether or not you want to become a professional um, maker, business owner, manufacturer, and do, you know, do it all yeah and just to be careful out there of um you know you don't have to be crazy careful that somebody's going to steal your idea initially mm-hmm. yes um, ideas here's what i would say ideas don't get stolen unless they're successful yes so i you know you can talk to your attorney and ask them what they you know or read online more about how much i can share about my invention idea but don't be so scared that you're just yeah, you that's sit, good, on that, yeah. That you sit on it yeah and you never do anything because I'll tell you another I'll tell you two a little story in my craft booth two on two different occasions at two different shows two two different women came to me and said oh my gosh I made one of these years ago for my nephew what like I I sewed like a weird sleeve on the inside of a blanket one time. For my nephew, and another woman had done it for her grand grandson, right? Wow! But it was just her on her sewing. These two women on two separate sewing machines and making this, and they said, "But this, I never thought it could be a business. Mm-hmm. I never wanted doing anything with it. Yeah. I'm making a gift." So here's the thing: I've also learned it's true. There is no original idea, right? It's just, um, do you take your idea and do you? Do you have any sort of confidence in yourself to launch and build it into something? So that's what I did different. I, I came up with an idea, but I had the courage enough. Um, I guess I would say the courage and the um, the stamina. There's a lot of stamina involved. That is so much rejection and so much, so many challenges along the way. But um, do you have those two things in check so that you can step forward to build?
0: Yeah, I always tell people, you have to go to now. You know, if you have an idea, go to now. Do it now, get it done. Because the person that gets it done is the person that's going to move forward.
1: That's right. Yeah, and, yeah. Cons- and consistency, right?
0: Yes. Right? And Yeah, and- no, 100%. With like social media, people always say consistency, but it's anything, any successful business, it has a consistent owner behind it.
1: Absolutely. Every day you got to give up, get up and do the grind. And yep. I, you know, I work for myself. I'm self-employed and have been for over 23 years in, as both this, um, having developed super blankie and brought it into the licensing world. And then my professional work as a uh, storyteller, musician and teaching artist. but I, you know, I'm self-employed. I, I and there's nobody who's going to pay me unless I, Unless I'm consistent, I consistently go out and work for me myself. Right? So um, I I say that's really applicable when it comes to invention. Is if you've got an idea, be consistent about the pursuit of it if you really believe in it.
0: Oh, that's good. That you got your three right there. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show, Karen. It's been so good having you. It's really great to meet you. Yeah. Great to meet you too. Yeah. Thank you so much for the positive review on iTunes. Oh. And I know this episode is going to hold so much value for my listeners. I hope Steven loves it. <laughs> I hope <laughs> your lawyer loves it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really great having you today. Great. So,
1: it has been my pleasure. Really appreciate the opportunity and best wishes to all your listeners. In oh, their- thank you. To you as well.
0: Thanks so much, Karen. Thanks. Talk to you soon.
1: Sounds good. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Well, there you have it, toy people. I hope you found this interview with Karen Bonici extremely helpful since she so graciously took us through the process of having a great idea, sewing a few, selling a few herself, getting a patent, and ultimately licensing her invention with a manufacturer for production. Also, make sure you follow Super Blanky on social. On Instagram, that's at mysuperblanky, and on Facebook, it's mysuperblanky. Now, if you would like a breakdown of the major points from this episode, just head over to thetoycoach.com forward slash 25. Now, if you haven't already left a review for this podcast, please do so now. Head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. I love to read them. And remember, leaving a rating and a review is the best way to help fellow inventors and entrepreneurs like yourself find this podcast. As always, thank you for spending this time with me and until next week, I'll see you later, toy people. Thanks for listening to Making It in the Toy Industry podcast with Ajal Wade. Head over to thetoycoach.com for
1: more information, tips, and advice.
0: Hey, are you an aspiring toy inventor or toy entrepreneur? Then you should check out Toy Creators Academy, the first of its kind online program designed to help you develop and pitch your toy ideas. Head over to ToyCreatorsAcademy.com to learn more.